Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it is a mailbag episode, so you guys are picking what we are talking about. We've got a ton of great topics and some great voicemails that we get to play on the show. We're talking PFF grades. We're explaining some PFF grades. We're, ta- we're establishing what the price would be for Chicago to trade down from number one overall. Are we rebuilding the Seahawks? Are we rebuilding the Detroit Lions? Who are some sleepers who could rise throughout the draft process when we get to it beyond January? All that and so much more. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sycamore. That is Connor Rogers joining you guys for a midweek mailbag edition of the show. They said it couldn't be done. They said I could not come up with another alliteration. Well, they were wrong. Connor, I'm very, very excited about this one. We haven't done a mailbag in quite some time, and we said on Monday, we're going to open it up to either you could give us your questions through social media DM, through the YouTube comments, through SpeakPipe, so we can get you guys' voices in on the show as well, and the people did not disappoint. We've got a ton of questions. We're going to try to get to we can't get to all of them, but we're going to get to as many as we possibly can because uh, y'all showed up big time. And we've gotten a sneak peek at these, Connor, but uh, I'm excited to talk about these with you. The creativity is great, as always. Full transparency, if you really want to question it on the show, I would say your odds, your best odds are speak pipe because we love playing your voice on the show. It's funny. Yeah. It has character. And our producer, Ryan, does such a good job checking that account. And then I would say second YouTube comments. If you get a couple thumbs up, that's going to bump into the top. I went through as many YouTube comments as I can. I love when you guys DM us. I've become the worst person ever at consistency and checking DMs. <laughs> It'll be like an hour of a, a random hour of the month where I check all of them and try all to answer of all of them. And then three weeks go by and I haven't read a single DM. I've literally had people like family or people I work with that are like, you just ignore me. And I'm like, no, I, it's everyone. <laughs> like, it's not me being... So you're not even putting vote. them on red. You're you're leaving them. You're leaving them in the uh. What is the like the the thing in requested? The yeah, requested. <laughs> you're, you're you're not even leaving them on red. You're leaving well, them on requested. Right, and it's not even intentional. It's just the Instagram is such a mess that there's your top requests and then all requests and then you're just, you're just that cool. Yeah, I'm Wait, not. You, it's it's mostly ver- spam. Are you verified? On I am. And it's mostly spam. I'm not verified, so I can't, you know, I don't have those, you know, get separated in by. Oh, okay. All right. He's giving, he's giving me the big thing. You'll get there, big dog. Let's at the not top forget. Of the show. Hold on. Let's not forget who's verified on Twitter, by the way. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I, with a little badge next to it that says PFF employee. I'm not even verified on Twitter anymore. So that, mm. we can't play, you can't play this that I'm verified on Instagram like that. We're, matters. E- we're each a man of the people. On different platforms. Yes. You know, we're, we're like, you know, the, you know, screw the establishment kind of thing, but on the, on the different platforms. So we're representing everybody, which is good. Um, all right. I guess we'll just jump into this one. Like Connor said, we're going to do more of the speak pipe ones just because we love when you guys can get your voice in the show. That's a lot of fun for us. It's a creative way to kind of do these mailbag episodes, but, uh, Connor, are you ready to go? I, we can let's, just kick it off with the first one. Let's fire away. I'm excited. All right, all right let's do it. Hey guys, uh, long time sex addict, first time caller, 6'3", 195. Um, I'm a Bills fan. I like the Jared Verse pick in the draft. You know, I definitely see that as a need, but 
you know, I think we need to address the secondary early as well because, you know, Poyer and Hyde, thank you for your service. Damar Hamlin, thank you for surviving, but we don't have an answer there long term. You know, I like DeGene switching to safety, and then you got Kitchens and Newbin at the top. Can you guys talk about the depth of the safety position? You know, if the Bills are t- taking at 15, that might be a little high for a safety. Uh, can you get good value in day two there? And then, you know, personally, I think Tyler Newbin is better than Cam Kitchens. I know Trevor's been saying he's a Kitchens guy over Newbin lately. And I'm just wondering, you know, I'm a PFF believer. I trust the data. Newbin's graded in the 90s. Kitchens is graded in the 60s. Why does Kitchens get that edge? Can you guys talk more about how you look at this PFF data when doing your scouting? You know, I know there's other factors you got to look at, like physicals and upside and all that. But, you know, personally, I don't get how you give Kitchens the edge over Newbin when Newbin's been playing better all year and they're already similar prospects. So, yeah, looking forward to hearing from you guys. Big fan of the show. And thank you. All right. Great one. Good one to good one to start it out. Oh, shoot. I'm playing. You're off the rails. I know I'm playing the other one. I'm playing the other one. I'm playing the other one. All right. All right. Pause. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Phone. Phone was messing up on me. All right. So, Connor, first part of the question is kind of safety for the Bills, right? Buffalo Bills fan thinking, all right, what's this safety class look like? The Bills are picking right around the middle of the first round. Is that a little too rich for a safety? You're all right with the safety there. And then, you know, we'll get into the – I can get into the uh, Kinchins-Newbin conversation. I can spearhead that one because that was kind of like, a, hey, how does, why does Trevor have Kinchins above Newbin? I think you have Newbin above Kinchins, right? Yeah, you have, I still okay, do. So, so you got you got Newbin in safety one. So we can go back and forth about that one. But what do you think about either of these guys, I guess? as an option for Buffalo in the first round. I, I agree, honestly, with his stance that it just feels a little early. A reason I had Cooper there is because I think he's, not only do I think he could still play corner, I think he's such a special, versatile player, whether it is being a big nickel, whether you could literally sit him in a shell if you want. Uh, he could do so many things for you. It's a matchup player, right? Like if you're, you're looking at the Bills and you're, against the Chiefs in the playoffs, mm-hmm. I, I'd want Cooper to be the guy covering Travis Kelsey is how I look at it in that scenario. Um, but with the other guys, and I'll, I'll do full transparency here, Trevor, you and I are in the middle of of rechecks and you know end season grades before right. combine. I haven't done safeties yet. You and I are deep in wide receiver right now. That's a right. really deep group. I haven't done a recheck of the safeties yet. Um, although every time I dip my toes in on that class, it, there's not a lot there. So I wonder if by the end of it, I'll find that day two guy that he was yeah. hinting at that. I'm like, okay, I like this guy. It, the safety safety as a whole is a position that is the depth of it is struggling in the NFL draft recently. I think yeah. so. Yeah. And then back to the conversation about if it's, you know, if Cooper was gone or they wanted to take a guy that truly played safety in college. I, then I kind of default to taking one of the top corners because it feels like, Kinchins is still a really interesting athlete and a versatile player. Newbin's a guy with a ton of experience. The ball production speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder, like, I don't know if those guys are going to go in the top 20. It just feels yeah. a little bit early for me. So, yeah, I think it's a good point. And it kind of makes me default to the fact that I'd have to look at the free agency class. There are usually actually capable starting safeties in free agency ironically because mm-hmm. it's not a market that explodes 
Jesse Bates is the biggest recent example. And even he left. He left the Bengals and signed a big deal with Atlanta. And he's been really good for Atlanta. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't. It, to me, it's not a position unless a guy is special like that. Your Kyle Hamilton was a big time player that this position typically goes top 15 to 20. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't feel as though safety, even taking the top one in this class, is is, is going to be something where you take them with a top 20 pick and you just feel great about it. Like where Buffalo is kind of slotted right now. Buffalo ends up going on a postseason run, and we're talking about you know pick 28, 29. I think that's more in the conversation of, okay, if you get either a Tyler Newbin or a Cam Kitchens, uh, then you're, you're more okay with it. But middle of the first round, there's going to be too many good edge rushers that are there. There's going to be too many good corners that are there for you to take one of those guys. If you're taking one of them in the middle of the first round, you're probably taking DeGene anyways because of that versatility. So I agree with yeah. you there. And then the second part of the question, when it comes to evaluating PFF grades and PFF data, which um, salute for you to say that uh, you're, you're big on the PFF data. We really appreciate it. So I wanted to make sure that, we weren't just living in a what have you done for me lately kind of an environment with with this discussion between Newbin and Kinchins because there's no doubt about it that Newbin has been more impactful and more consistent this year. But I went back and I looked at the data from both 2022 and 2023. So in 2022, Cam Kinchins had a 90.7 grade in coverage and he had a 71.3 run defense grade. Meanwhile, Newbin had a 76.2 grade in coverage that year and an 83.4 run defense grade. This year, it's almost completely flipped. Newbin has the exact same coverage grade that Kinchins had in 2022 at a 90.7, and he has a run defense grade of 70.2. That's almost identical to what Kinchins was in 2022. Meanwhile, Kinchins this year, yeah, much worse coverage grade, 62.1, and then the run defense grade is 72.3. So he's been pretty consistent in run defense over the last couple of years. But those are the grades there. So I, I wanted to bring that up because I think people think about Tyler Newbin's season that he's had this year, especially to begin the year. He started off really hot. And they just go, oh, okay, this is no question about it, the, the best safety in the draft. Safety, like like any secondary position, very up and down. So large sample sizes are to your advantage. So you really have to, and you want to, if you can, take a couple of years of starting experience into this. So these guys are pretty even. And it's really just about the style and preference of these two safeties. Um, Tyler Newbin is a more consistent player, especially when it comes to run defense. You mentioned how experienced he was, how he sees the field. Like those are things that his anticipation, his recognition, how when he breaks on the ball, all that stuff. He is better than Kinjins at that. There's no doubt about it. Tyler Newbin makes less mistakes and he's got some higher grades. He's got less uh, of a missed tackle percentage, both in run defense and in coverage because of those things. And he's just a more consistent safety player, but he's also more of a, to me, too high safety player. Like yeah. I think this is a guy who you could play him as a free safety and you could play him as a strong safety, but if you're playing him as a free safety, you're not going to want him in a lot of single high situations. He's not, I, I don't think he's that caliber of an athlete. Whereas Kinchins and the reason why I have had him above Newman, I don't know if that's what it's going to be when it's all said and done, but the reason why I have him above it is because when it comes to that single high center field coverage ability, Kinchins has proven to be a better athlete and a more impactful player in that result. So you talk about PFF data, I sorted and filtered single high situations. Okay. So where you're playing one deep safety 
and where one of these guys is lined up as that free safety specifically, Camp Kinchins over the last two years, so it's a bigger sample size now, has played 207 snaps as a single high free safety and has a coverage grade of 89.8. It's really good. Newbin, on the other hand, has played less than half of that, only 95 snaps over the last two years as a single high free safety and has a coverage grade of 60.3. So a lot of that, those great coverage plays for Newbin come when he is still in a two safety shell where he doesn't have to cover from sideline to sideline or numbers to numbers. So that is kind of a, a that's the reason why I still lean Kinchins because of the athlete that he has proven to be sideline to sideline as that free free safety type of a player. So not nearly as consistent as a ball player. And if you run a lot of two safety stuff, Tyler Newman is probably going to be your guy because he's so steady um, and he's such a smart football player. But I think Kinch is a little bit better of an athlete, and I think he gives you a little bit higher of a ceiling of that higher difficulty um, label or ask of the safety position. I think it's a perfect breakdown of it. It's a matter of if you... With Kinchins, you are probably going to have to project bigger things for him at the next level. Like you're looking at it going our defense, our situation, our scheme. Mm -hmm. We're going to put a lot on his plate and we think he can handle it. Where with Newbin, you are probably drafting him and saying, we feel really good about the floor of this player. The um, miss rate on him will be lower because like you said, Trevor, not a lot of mistakes on tape from him. Yep. And he has he's a multi-year starter, multi-successful year starter that has found the football. So, yeah, that's ultimately what it comes down to. And and how they're drafted will be really interesting to see how that is reflected. Right. Because the yep. Newbin's coming. Newbin is going to come out on top with the tape. Uh, they're both pretty consistency big of it, for sure. Like there's just yep. there's more. Can't just plays a more aggressive style. And because of that, you see. Sometimes he takes much poorer angles. Sometimes he's too aggressive in that regard. Sometimes he's got missed tackles, you know, things like that. So, yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, okay. Want to get to the next one? Yeah. Let's do the next one. Hey, guys. This is your boy, Dan Alter, known on Twitter as Dan, 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 uh, 62270, because I know y'all like the measurements. My question is pertaining to the Detroit Lions. Um, so, obviously, like in my opinion, I think the best selection for them would be a corner or an edge. But, I think an alternate theory that could be explored is the potential for a quarterback. And mainly I would look at like Bo Nix or Jane Daniels in like the late teens, early twenties for the Lions to be able to move up to get. My opinion is based around, I think those guys bring more athletic upside to the quarterback position than like Jared Goff. And I think also just like a better arm while they may not be, I think they're more like point guard guys in that kind of offensive system. I think it would be a good idea to explore, especially with Goff looking to probably get the Daniel Jones contract of like, what, like 40 to $50 million a year almost. Um, I think it would be a good idea, mostly because when I watch Goff play, it's like he almost needs a perfect platform to be able to operate the offense. And I think like if you were to bring in a quarterback who could operate off platform, even if they're more of a point guard, it could be good to continuing to build the team so let me know what you guys think i appreciate it all right so what do we think about i don't know why it's not letting me pause when i want to pause um what do you think about the idea of the lions potentially drafting a quarterback i've not thought about this or done this in a mock draft format yet but 
you know, Dan, 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 Dan brings up some, uh, some valid points. I think what's tricky with it is that how quickly we forget they did just draft Hendon Hooker. So, oh yeah, right. right? It's, right. It's, everybody just forgot. I, I literally did forget that. He was a top 70 pick. So yeah. I think this regime has taken their first swing at a different player than Goff. Now with Hooker, he was a guy that when you watch this film at Tennessee, you really like him in structure. He could move. I He honestly, it was so interesting watching Geno's rise and watching Hooker's breakout year at Tennessee because so many of the things that Geno did really well, Hooker, Hooker did really well that you could see some comparison there with Hooker as a prospect. And I think Hooker would give you a little bit more mobility, assuming he comes back from the injury, but that's not why you took him. I, I just think that's, I don't know if that's what the Lions are trying to be. Yeah. Honestly, right? Trevor, they built this incredible offensive line. They have a play caller that hopefully he's there for the long term, but he might be a head coach who can create space. They have a middle of the field monster in Amon Ross St. Brown. Sam Laporta, the same thing could be said about him. Now they have the threat of stretching the field in Jamison Williams. I I think they just like their quarterback to be operating at his best above his shoulders. And Goff makes bad decisions. Don't get me wrong. But Goff also has such a command of the offense that he hasn't needed that upper tier athleticism. A lot of guys do for the Lions offense to thrive. Yeah, I, I understand where Dan's coming from. Obviously, if you're in a situation where you think your quarterback is middling, that's kind of a tough spot to be right. Yeah. You, you never want to be there as a fan. Um, you always want to be believing that your quarterback has a Super Bowl caliber ceiling. And for as good as the Lions are, to Dan's point, there's there's a lot of things that have to go right on offense for them to be like Super Bowl caliber. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you know he's not as much of a creator uh, as some of the other great quarterbacks are in the league that you know that the Lions are going to have to face in the playoffs. So I understand where he's coming from, but I I totally I actually really did forget that uh, they drafted ended Hooker. And uh, while you were chatting, I I looked it up, and um, you know as of this week. Uh, Hannon Hooker is back at practice. So yeah, Teddy Bridgewater had some big quotes on him. So the, I mean, that's a, that, that's a really big step in the right direction. Um, obviously coming off that rehab of, of that knee injury that he had at the end of his season last year with Tennessee. So I, I understand where Dan's coming from. I just don't think it's very realistic. I, I don't think that they're going to, I think they believe they're in a window right now and they're going to try to just maximize as much as they can. So, um, and they love, they love golf. Like think about, think about it like this. Brad Holmes was with the Rams and then Brad Holmes traded for Jared Goff. So it's, mm. I mean, they like, they really like Jared Goff. I, I, I get it though. I get the fans perspective. You always want more at a quarterback position that you watch these primetime games and you see Lamar Jackson, you see Pat Mahomes, you see Josh Allen. But I think some franchises know when you kind of get, you know, your eye gets caught to the golden apple that you could just completely miss it all. The Lions might like their floor at quarterback is what I'm saying. Yeah. So that guy, yeah. I just think they, I think what I'm trying to say in a long-winded way, besides the fact that Hendon Hooker's in that building, and I'm sure they have high hopes for him, mm -hmm. is that they probably think they can win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Sure. No, He's been to one. Yeah, I, I, right. I, I think that that's, I think that's the case. I agree with you. I think that they can, 
they believe that they can win a Super Bowl or compete the way that they need to with Jared Goff. So I understand the question. I just don't think it's very realistic for the Lions. I think, again, they're going corner. They're going edge rusher. They, need, they need a defense. They need, yeah, they're going to they're gonna go towards the defense. All right, next question. Addict Brethren, longtime listener, first-time caller. My question is, who's a player from summer scouting that may have gone under the radar, but now is shaping up to be a second or third round day two impact player for an NFL team? For me, I'm biased as a Washington Husky alumni. I've got Jabbar Muhammad, cornerback out of Washington. Dude is a ball hawk. Dude is a dog. Undersized, similar to Clark Phillips, but plays with a high, high level of intensity. I think he'll make an excellent nickel at the next level. Love to hear you guys' responses. Love the show. Thanks for all you do. All right. A player from summer scouting. I have not gotten to Muhammad yet. Muhammad is. I've always is, seen the broadcast. Yeah, that's I I really just I, I saw him good. balling out in the, the, the Oregon game, the Pac-12 yeah. championship. So he was somebody who I immediately put on the list. So I have not watched him yet. I need to watch him. Connor, do you have a guy or two that maybe you watched during the summer and you were a fan of a little bit that's really been able to blow up into a potential day two pick now? Mm, that's a I will, I don't think he blew up into I, I loved Zach Frazier over the summer. Yeah, I mean, he's th- this Zach Frazier. I thought about him for this exercise, so I think yeah. he absolutely fits. I, I I really liked him over the summer. Uh, I think he was my top center, but he's I mean, I know he got hurt against Baylor, but he, he could go with the top 40 picks like that's the kind of year he had for West Virginia. I he's going to go top four. I don't think he's going to go top 40. I don't I think, think so, but I'm saying he like there's a world where he does. And he's a top 70. I think he he's going to go top 75. I very easily. Very yeah. easily. I think he his tape this year was tremendous. He's going to be that center that just kills the interviews. Everyone's going to love him for how smart and tough he is. As soon as every offensive line coach hears about his wrestling background, they're going to be in like, oh, love it. I, I think I, Fra- I think Frazier easily. I, he easily goes in the top 60, in my opinion. So right. I, I also don't. But did we ever get the severity of that injury, by the way? I don't know. Uh, I just yeah, saw the video of him hobbling up. off. Like I'm assuming it's not draft stock uh, impact type with this. I did not see anything like that. So, so you can look that up while I give. So I got yeah. two guys. I'll stick along the offensive line for the first one. Um, UConn interior offensive lineman Christian Haynes is somebody who, and I think I, I might be answering this question a little bit differently than you were. But when I watched Haynes this summer, I was like, I like this guy. Like, I like he moves super well. I think he could play guard or center, but he's a little bit undersized, and I wondered if he he was too much finesse. You know, that's the way that I described Donovan Jackson from Ohio State. I, I remember watching him, a former five-star interior offensive lineman, and obviously it could still all work out for him, and he could have a great pro career. But when I watched him over the summer, I was like, man, this, this guy's too much finesse. Like, he moves really well. I could see why people like him. But he was not strong enough when it came to the punch it contact. And, and I think that that showed up time and time again. With Haynes, I didn't really see that. But I think I convinced myself that he just moved too well. That I was like, all right, he, he's just too light to be an NFL interior offensive lineman. He had another year this year where he had a hell of a year, okay? Last year, he had an 83.9 overall grade with a 91 pass blocking grade. And this year, which... Remember, guys, volume with PFF grades is good. You know, you want to be able to stack multiple years of grading. Well, that's when you know you got a good player. 
84.8 overall grade and an 87.0 pass blocking grade. So two years in a row, this guy's been a fantastic overall blocker, a fantastic pass blocker. And I just, I did not give him enough love this summer scouting. And I'm kicking myself because I think this guy's a day, absolutely a day two pick now. And I think he could be a starter in the NFL at guard or at center. The other player that wanted to bring to the table, Mikey San Rastil, the nickel corner from Michigan. We've talked about him on the show. I yeah. think you guys have seen him on Twitter because he's he's like one of those popular players now as like the under the radar dude. But he is another guy. I watched his tape from last year in summer scouting and I was like, God, this dude's fiery. I love the way he plays the nickel cornerback position. He is so much fun. He's got a nose for the ball. They'll blitz him. He'll he'll help as much as he can on run defense. He was just, he's small. He's just a small football player. And, and sometimes that can work out if you're, a, if you're a nickel, but he's just a small football player. And I was like, all right, I like him, but I'm not going to put him that high on the big board. I should have. I should have stuck to the conviction, should have stuck to the tape, said I like the way that I that I see him play because uh, this dude's – I don't know if he's going to be a second-round pick because players of his size not often are, but third-round pick, absolutely. Fourth-round pick at worst, and I think that he is just having a fantastic year. So those are two guys that over summer um, – I liked, but clearly I didn't like enough that I think are going to be risers in this draft class. There's two more. One I can't say because he's literally his own question from another voicemail. So we'll get to him in a second. Oh, and then okay. the other one, I know we both watched because we talked about him on summer scouting. And that was Mitchell, the corner from Toledo. Oh, who, stud. Yeah. But it, I thought his summer watch was so interesting. He had five picks and 20 pass breakups in 2022. Mm hmm. But when you watch the tape, four of the five interceptions were against NIU, where the whoever the quarterback was, he was <laughs> <You're> like, <right. laughs> right. it looked like you were me back there. And then he had a game against, was it Ohio State? He had one big, like, power five game, and he was bad. And we were like, okay, we get why he's on the watch list. He's an interesting player. The ball production's mm -hmm. great. He's a legit NFL prospect. But maybe the pendulum will swing too far because of the stats. And then this year, he's been really, really good. He's built on yeah. it. So, like, that that's one that, I mean, I'm sure he's going to be in the top two rounds of some mock drafts. You and I talked about him over summer, but he's he's in a totally different st stratosphere right now. I kind of worried about, and it's I think it's a little silly now, but I worried about his speed on tape in 2022 because he doesn't play press. No, I don't he's, think he's at all. sat off almost every play. He, it felt like he's off coverage a lot. And I was like, okay, you're clearly like a, 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 a man up type of a mentality corner. Why aren't they letting you play this way? Is it because you can't turn and run? And I wondered if that was the case. And I don't know, the tape didn't really convince me otherwise. And yeah, this year, I think that he's, he's really shown that that click and close ability and that recovery speed is something that he has. It's just right. something that we didn't see a lot from a press alignment because he's not asked to do it. So um, that I think that's a really good shout out too. Um, All right, next one. Next one. All right, right, yeah. Hey fellas, this is Patrick from Upstate New York. First time, long time. I'm a big fan of the pod. Followed you guys for a long time. Love what you guys are doing. Um, I have a question about guys with uh, medical red flags in this upcoming draft class. You guys have talked about. Liatu Latu, uh, you talked about Michael Penix being guys whose um, medical information could make a big impact on where teams have them on their boards. I'm curious if there are other players who are in that category as well, um, if you guys could 
fill us in on some other players who might have those types of medical red flags where where they land, where they are on teams' boards might vary dramatically based on what medical information teams are able to gather on them. So would love to hear your guys' thoughts on some players who fall in that camp. Uh, appreciate everything you guys do. Thanks. All right, shout out Patrick. Shout out to Patrick, upstate New York. I have there spent is, baby. many of my living years in upstate New York. Not anymore, but still a phenomenal place. Shout out to Patrick. Trevor, for this one, mm-hmm. the reality is besides the the ones that like you know because it's such a big part of their process, like Penix, like Latu. Latu was a medical retirement. Penix mm-hmm. was a guy that has had a laundry list of injuries and has rebuilt his career. You typically don't find these out until after the combine because the teams get to check every player. And mm-hmm. I, the way I will fi- I'll find out is, uh, you know, I have a guy way too high and somebody will text me and be like, hey, just let you know, heard this about this guy. It got flagged. And I, I typically don't publicly speak about it. I'll, I'll If it's something that I think is significant to the player's career, I'll move them down because injuries matter in evaluations. Like you don't, right. You don't get a pass when you loved a guy that was, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go about it that had an injury history. And then he's hurt in the NFL and you're like, well, I couldn't see this coming. It's part of the evaluation process or smaller getting hurt. But yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, typically right now, to be honest with you, the teams don't know all of them because they haven't gotten to do medical checks with these guys. Yeah, there's there's three that kind of stand out that I know of, at least right now, that I'm not saying that they're going to fail medicals, but they have extensive injury histories, and they're awesome football players, and this might kind of get in the way of that. So it, it maybe answers a little bit of Patrick's question. The obvious one that we've talked about before is Jalen Catalan, the safety who was at Arkansas, looked like an absolute animal his redshirt sophomore year. Um and then he tore his ACL. Actually, he tore his ACL in high school, if I'm remembering this correctly. Um, and then, hold on, I'm just going to scroll to make sure I got it. Yeah, tore his ACL in high school. Then he had season-ending shoulder injury in 2021. He had a broken hand in 2021 as well. And then he also had season-ending sur- shoulder surgery in 2022. So this is now a strong safety defensive player who's got a tackle who's got multiple season ending shoulder surgeries which is never a good thing he's at texas now there's another player landon jackson who is the defensive end at arkansas who i like a lot i don't know if he's going to declare for this draft class because i've read that he's he's in between declaring and coming back for another year and i can understand why he would want to come back for another year because his injury history is Tours ACL his sophomore year in high school. He had a season-ending ankle injury uh, his senior year of high school. And then he had another ACL injury, which is kind of unspecified, his freshman year when he was at LSU. So then after he was at LSU for that freshman year, he transferred over to Arkansas. It took him a full year to kind of like recover from that. And this past year was the first year that Jackson himself basically said that he's been healthy in like five seasons. So for as good as he might look in flashes, he probably thinks, damn, I if if, if I have another full offseason of being fully healthy, um, I'm going to be a lot better, and I'm going to be in position to be a first-round pick. The last one is, is Peyton Wilson, the linebacker from NC State. Good call out, yeah. Pey- Peyton Wilson has some of the most fun tape that you'll see. Probably the best linebacker in college football this season. So he had a... Knee injury his senior year of high school. 
Um, and then he tore his ACL, his freshman year at NC State, got healthy, played well in 2020, the 2020 season. And then in 2021, suffered a season-ending dislocated shoulder and torn labrum. He has since kind of been on the field on and off, but you know he had a, a knee injury again that was minor, not a major one. And it's just like, man, this dude, awesome when he's on the field, but he's so beat up for a position that asks you to tackle and be physical basically every single play. So those are three guys that kind of popped into my head when I thought about Patrick's question that are uh, that they might get flagged when it comes to uh, those combine rechecks, whenever it is. Yep. Good call outs on all. And this pod's pretty transparent. As long as it's not going to affect a player's stock, we usually are pretty honest with what's going on because, and I say affect a player's stock, like the NFL teams have more info than Trevor and I do. So if we say, Hey, no, no, they don't heard they That's true. They don't. We know, we know the we know players everything. better than the NFL teams. We know, every, we know everything. The, we don't know the players agents, better. We, we probably have ranked them better than plenty of teams. Agents, agents of all 32 NFL teams listen to this podcast and are noted sex addicts for the information that we give that they can't get anywhere Hey, else. imagine you just get a voicemail from like, <laughs> who's the funniest GM we could get a, a speak fight from? Uh, Jim Ir- Jim Irsay, probably. He, he counts. He does count. <laughs> hey, guys, long time <laughs> it's like whoa what's up jerry obviously i mean that would be it that would be a that would be a good good one one. would love doesn't count as a gm still but oh does he not no no because his son's gm his son's the gm and will mcclay actually does all their drafts who's not even the gm all right but then it'd be better if jerry called in because then he just you know right he'd just be an owner unhinged questions that's what we'd want all right we'll go to the next one uh i'll i'll pick the next two from the youtube comments because like we said we're gonna Try to get Mix a and match. diversification here. Yeah. Um, Josh Summers, 96. So what are your what are you guys' thoughts on the Seahawks season and how the franchise should build over the next couple of years? It feels as though we've underperformed this season, given the talent on both sides of the ball, and are headed for quite possibly an eight and nine record. Is it time to move on from Pete, or is there a chance that he can make one last run at a Super Bowl? Bonus question. Uh, what have you guys made of JSN's rookie season? Huge fan of the pod. Thank you for all you do for the draft coverage here for us over in the UK. What do you think about the Seahawks, Connor? Nice question. So, okay, a lot with the Seahawks because they're a team I'm very conflicted on. They have made some really nice draft picks in recent years mm-hmm. when you look at their drafts. Witherspoon's looked great this year. Their young players up front on the defensive line have made improvements. Um, like Boye Mafe comes to mind. They obviously took the two tackles the year before that. I know they've had some injuries on the offensive line this year. JSN has really turned the corner in the second half of this season. So when you look at Seattle, it feels like they're aging at safety. And it's funny to say aging because they're not that old, but they're like Jamal Adams looks like a totally different player than what he was with the Jets. He's just had so many injuries. He's, What's his contract? It's it's a wild contract, but they probably can cut him if they really want to this offseason. Because they also have digs under contract as well. So this offseason, they have an out where they can save $6 million on the cap because he goes up to 26 now. Okay, this is last year on the team. Yeah, he goes to up. To, he, go, he goes from 11.4 of a cap hit this year to 26.9 next year and 27.9 the year after that. He's a so post, unless, he's a designated post June. Or unless you are like extending this dude's contract and yeah, he either reworks money. his deal or they cut him. And yeah. honestly, if I was Seattle, I'd, I'd have no I, problem cutting him. I think they're going to cut him. Yeah. 
So they have some players at corner. They have players up front. I think their interior offensive line needs work. And then the, the big elephant in the room with Seattle again is how far can Gino take them? And it's a weird conversation because Gino just had his best game, not only of his season, arguably of his career against Dallas, honestly. Like if Tyler Lockett catches that ball that was per- like thrown with so much perfect anticipation, the game might even look different. Mm-hmm. But Gino has not had the same season he had last year. And it goes back to the fact of when Seattle gets hit with a little adversity on their offensive line or at running back, like can Gino rise above it? So, and I'm, these are all legit questions. These aren't me leaning one way or the other. So it feels like Seattle, that's also a good time to probably draft and develop a quarterback, right? Like I would keep Gino for next year, but I would also think about taking somebody to develop with a little bit more of a higher ceiling, depending on where you pick. So I think Seattle's in a weird spot because they play in a division with an absolute juggernaut in the 49ers. So that's a tough place to be right away. Yeah. That's the really tough place to be already. But this isn't a bad roster. They've drafted right. as they really have drafted as well as they could have when you look at like league average drafts. Seattle's fine as a drafting team under Schneider right now. They're gonna be able to mess around with their money this offseason as Trevor and I just went over. And a lot of their work outside of quarterback is more tailoring than just completely building a foundation, in my opinion. Like they have they have a superstar play, they have a star playmaker and Metcalf. They have depth playmakers, they have two viable running backs, they have tackles. The positions they need, you don't need three top 15 picks to solve. Yeah. But yeah. Co- what do you think of the quarterback situation, Trevor? I, I like Gino, man. I really do. When I look at the situation, I, I think they should give it another year. And, and I don't know. Look, I agree. The worst place that you could be is mediocre. And with the Seahawks last year, what did they finish? Nine and eight and made the playoffs and lost in the wild card. You know, maybe you finish eight and nine this year. Maybe you make the playoffs. Maybe you don't. I mean, that's not mediocre, but it's not really where you want to be. You're basically like a competing team, but you're almost like a participation trophy kind of a competing team like you're, you're not really a threat and nobody really wants that feeling i understand it but i agree with you if they would have drafted worse i think i'd be more inclined to just hit the rebuild button but if you can move on from jamal adams you know the free agents that you have upcoming aren't really detrimental to your team you have a lot of these guys a lot of these core players around for even the next two years after this and so if you still believe in gino and i still think that gino smith can be a playoff caliber quarterback in this league. I, I, I'd probably give it another year. I'm I'm not taking this thing down to the studs. I'm not hitting like total panic. I'd rather go through free agency, see what you can do. See how you can can retool the roster and go through another draft class. Maybe really hit it big with your first and second round picks this year. So that's where I am at with Seattle. I, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be hitting the panic button and, no. and totally re- redoing things. So I think it's a nice place to be when you have a serviceable starting quarterback, but you also have a roster that is built for a quarterback, a young quarterback to come in and play well. Like that's a good place. Yeah, to but. Be. Oh, wait. Like, okay. So every team in the NFL that is doing this thing, like look at the Panthers this year. They just draft a guy and just throw a guy in to the fire right away. Seattle can draft a guy and have him sit behind Gino and develop. And that's not a luxury. A lot of 
Seattle, because Seattle's not a bad team. See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. So you wouldn't even draft a quarterback. You would just ride this thing out with Gino. And not really, not in the first two rounds. No, because I'm you're not dra- saying that. I'm saying just in general. I guess if I, I would, I would make, take one in the second round. I think if I had the chance. Although they traded their second round, obviously, with obviously, Williams. I'll, I'll play the ultimate draft guy trump card and say, well, you got to see who's on the board. You know, right? Like, yeah. So I mean, like, obviously, I, I could say that, and it's an easy cop out, but. In all honesty, I, I look at the Seahawks team, and again, I maybe I'm looking at it too optimistically. I would rather have another year of the last couple of draft classes getting better, getting more experienced, and you really nailing it with two first round picks that you need. Edge rusher for sure. Let's like let's go get another really great edge rusher. Um, and then I don't know, maybe another defender, depending on how how your free agency period goes. I'd rather do that. I'd rather give it another year of basically this and a little extra youth juice with this roster and see where it goes. Cause Matthew Stafford ain't getting any younger. Right. And if Matthew Stafford starts to go downhill or retires, like what is that Rams team? All of a sudden they're not really that big of a threat. The NFC South kind of all over, over the place right now. And basically everybody in the AFC North rebuilding as well. You got a shot. You got a shot to be a, a legit wild card type of a team. So that's what I would, that's what I would do if I was Seattle. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, this one is from YouTube comments as well. This is from 007 underscore RC. If you were the Cardinals and ended up winning another game or two, dropping them out of the top three range, do you still think going wide receiver is the move or do you take a tackle with your top position and then a wide receiver with Houston's pick later in the first round? Big fan of your videos. Arizona fans have been loving the mock drafts that you guys have been giving us lately. Big shout out to 007. What do you think? If they're not taking Marvin Harrison Jr., are you thinking about Malik Neighbors at five? Or are you going, man, we could set it up with Paris Johnson Jr. and Olu Fashanu or Joe Alt or something like that? It's tricky. Really tricky. I think I would, specifically for Arizona, I might lean the tackle. and Because I, I think Neighbors is, I did get through his tape for our wide receiver rankings. I mean, he's sick. <laughs> he is so good. He is so good. That is, I'm almost annoyed that him and Marv are in the same class. Uh, dude, him, him, him. And I mean, you throw Rome in there, too. I mean, like those three wide receivers are just. Yeah, I do think they're watching all three of them. I do think there's a, those two. There's a little gap to Rome. But I, Rome is very talented. I have I've had neighbors wide receiver, too, for a while. Um, I haven't gotten to LSU yet for our like big. Dude, Rejects. just stupid good. I, I yeah, I, I, it's not. I'm not going to be shocked when I watch right. more games of him, and he's going to be good. But I, there's a lot of people that have watched Romo Dunze over the last like I'll say month, and they're like, oh yeah, like this dude and Marv, and I'm like, y'all better be throwing Malik Neighbors in that conversation because yep. he's he's also, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be wide receiver too for this show. But anyways, go ahead. So yeah, I mean, there's it's just weird when you look at Arizona. I don't know. It's really tricky. I go tackle. I think I go tackle. Yeah, but it's it's tough because neighbors is going to be a really highly ranked player for me. But I, I, I would take I would take tackle. I would take one of the top two tackles. You know what I you know what I might do. And Os Ford obviously has done this before because in his first year as GM, he was up and down the board trading up and down last year. Um, I'm probably looking to trade back at that point. Yeah, like if I'm picking four or five. I am very okay with getting either Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunze, uh, one of the corners that is there, perhaps Jerzon Newton, 
And then you also, you got to remember, you got, we got JC Latham and Talise Fuaga in this class too, to play right tackle. And you can I kick Paris Johnson Jr. over to left tackle where he played at Ohio state. So to me, if, if, if it's not Marvin Harrison Jr. for the Cardinals, I'm probably trading back. I'm probably doing what I did last year and I'm acquiring future draft capital for that. So that's what I would do. I think it's all fair. All right. We'll have a lot. Arizona will be a fun team to diagnose when the dust settles. All right. We will get, we will get back to the, uh, to the voicemails in a second, but uh, this time of year, everybody knows it's all about setting up the routine, all about setting up the checklist. And it's always the most important thing on the checklist, securing your family's financial future with our friends over at fabric by Gerber life. Their life insurance, it's quick, it's easy, it's affordable. Protecting your family, you can get back to enjoying life to make sure that that is completely handled. Designed by parents for parents to get you high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policies in less than 10 minutes. They got a ton of different policies that will fit your family's budget with quality policies like $1 million in coverage for less than a dollar a day. You can get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it is convenient for you all online into your schedule. You can go for start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust fabric to protect their family and apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com. That is M E E T fabric.com slash stock exchange policies issued by Western Southern life insurance company, not available in certain States prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, back to the listener voicemails. Hey guys, my name's Danny, uh, six, five, two absolute unit and co-host in waiting. Um, I got a question for both of you. Who is one player that either of you see right now as a potential riser, whether it be the combine or future tape evaluation or uh, pro day or anything like that, that isn't really getting as much hype right now. Shout out Danny. Got a lot of love from the Dans, the Dannies. Also. Yeah. Like you said, co-host and waiting. What are you? Six, five, two, sixty. Jesus. Stacked. Tractor trailer. Just walking around on two legs. You need to be playing off-ball linebacker for Alabama. That's what you need to be doing, Danny. All right, so what do you think? Um, players who are potential risers over the next, let's say, month or so, early part of draft season. Okay, let's go through. I think uh, Brian Thomas, the wide receiver on LSU. Sure. I, I When I think risers, I always try to think of you did you watch him along with neighbors? I'm not Are done you? yet, but I did start. Oh, okay, okay. I wondered if you were have you had done it by school yet. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's why. That's where I, I I'm still on LSU. Okay, uh, but I am doing it by school. Like it sounds like you are as well. Yes, yeah, I am. It's just, just it's it easy. easier. Just makes it's it easier, easier because it's, you're watching like, the same offense, right? And I, I don't have to like you know change it, this the search filter. And, you know, yeah, we're we're just we're trying to we, we're trying to be efficient. I'm trying to watch yes. as many players as possible. Yes. We got takes to get out. But he could fly, and it's a great wide receiver class, so he's kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. It's been my argument for Troy Franklin, who I think will rise as well. Um, oh, man. I'm trying to think. I don't really – I haven't found that guy to the running backs yet. Mm. Yeah, I don't mm. love this running back group, and we'll get we'll, – no. we actually have a running back question in a second. It's a lot of guys I've, I've already – like I've talked about TJ Tampa. He's going to test really, really well. Mm-hmm. nobody's been talking about him all year he's gonna have a great process wherever he, you think he's going now he'll go earlier i would say that's about it for me right now trevor where are you at i got three okay that i think are gonna be risers or fan favorites uh i didn't i haven't seen if the guys are like returning or hitting the transfer portal or something so if they have 
give me a fucking break. All right. Like it literally, like everybody's in the, everybody's in the portal. I saw it's hard to keep up. With it. <laughs> this is the hardest time of year, dude. I, do, do you see Princely Uman Mielin from Florida is in the portal? He's no, not, he didn't declare for the draft. He went in the portal. What? Yeah. I don't do Did that just happen this week. It happened this morning. Okay. I was going to say what? Yeah. I thought he was a lock to be in this draft. He had, I, I was loving his tape this year. He's a top 60 player for me. And it's, it's a definite, he's not going to the draft. Oh, he said he's going in the portal. So what? obviously like you have time to change your mind. He's got what to the day. Yeah. yeah you could feel like out your 15th or something. I mean, until somebody gives him what, like three mil. Right. For NIL. But yeah, anyways. Um, wow. That's okay. Good. That's a good example of draft is different these days, folks. It is. So Jonah Ellis from uh, Utah yes. is somebody who you and I watched his tape and we talked about him earlier um, for a risers episode of the show. And man, the dude is just like a, he's a pass rush technician, man. Yeah. I mean, he's not somebody who's going to really impress you with, he's not going to win the off the bus test, right? When the guy gets off the bus, you're not going to like be in fear, be like, all right, we're it's, it's over. We're losing this one. But he's okay. like Latu Latu where, he just has a knack for getting in the backfield. He just understands pass rushing so well. So he's somebody who I think people are going to take a look at his tape and his production in the backfield this year and be like, that dude's going to be an NFL pass rusher. So I think that he's one of them. Sort of a similar light, Braden Fisk from Florida State. Mentioned him very recently. He's somebody who I watched uh, over the last couple of weeks. And the speed that he plays with from a three technique defensive tackle spot. I think he is going to the senior bowl and he's going to be somebody who like, he is going to be the fan favorite. He's going to be Twitter's favorite player at the senior bowl because he's absolutely going to demolish a bunch of these interior offensive linemen. Cause he's that damn quick with it. Yeah. So he'll get into the backfield. He'll be a one-on-one uh, rep monster. You know, he'll, he'll win all the highlights. And so he's another one. And then I'll shout out Penn state edge rusher, we always talk about Chop Robinson, but Adiza Isaac on the other side. Yep. A more consistent football player, man. Now, he, I think he tore his ACL in 2021. So last year, he was kind of getting back from that, getting back to be fully healthy. But this year, man, he is strong in the line of scrimmage. He can consistently get in the backfield as well. He is a more steady edge presence type of a player. And as people watch Chop Robinson, I think they're going to look over to Adiza Isaac and they're going to be like, Okay, who's 20? Like, who is who is this guy on the other side? Because he's a ball player as well, and I think that he is. He had a really nice season. Every time I would go check what Chop has done week after week, and I've said this before, I've stayed on top of the Big Ten more than any other conference this year because NBC has rights to the Big Ten, so I was doing a ton of content for them with that. And Isaac felt like he was so consistent week after week. So that's a really good call. It's it, Him and... Chris Broswell on Alabama, they yeah. were like the Robins to their Batmans on their front. Right. Where you're like, we, we watched both of them over summer, Trevor. They were on summer scouting, but they don't get that kind of love at all because of who they play with. And and you're going to get people, I calling it now, that are going to go, I like Isaac over Robinson. Like you're going to, you're yep. going to get people who yeah. are going to get to that point. I don't know if I'm going to get to that point. I don't know if you're going to get to that point. But people are going to get to that point. I had one more, by the way, and I'm literally right. making right. sure that he didn't go in the, the transfer portal. <laughs> now I got you spooked. <laughs> oh, my God. It's it's haunting me. Uh, I'm seeing that uh, he he could come back to school. They don't know yet. But Louisville's Ashton Gelati. Have you seen any of him? No. Yeah, he's his tape this year was six foot three, two seventy junior edge rusher for Louisville. 
I mean, I know I have not seen him. There. 59 pressures stout against the run. Dude was phenomenal this okay. year. If he declares, he'll be a, a huge riser. Okay. All right. Next question. Hey, Connor and Trevor. This is Jeff from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I got a hypothetical question for y'all. So would you rather be stuck in a spaceship at the furthest part of the galaxy for 30 days or would you rather be stuck in a submarine at the deepest depths of the ocean for 30 days? Basically, are you more scared of the ocean? Or are you more scared of what's out there in space? Let me know, guys. All I right, shout out, uh, shout, out, shout out Jeff from Charlotte, North Carolina, right here in my neighborhood. Great little fun question. A little bit of a curveball here. We got more football questions, we promise. So, don't, you know, we could take a break. Hard, hardcore for the football we questions. We podcast mm-hmm. for like four hours a week on this show. We could have one, we could have fun for three minutes. All right, 30 straight days. The furthest depths of space or the furthest depths of the ocean? Which one? Do you survive at the end? Yeah, I've I've got to imagine, right? I mean, it's not like, oh, you're curious. And then you die. It doesn't change my. (laughs) (laughs) It is a fair question. (laughs) Like, I either run out of oxygen underwater or I run out of oxygen in space. Jeff's basically just like asking, hey, how do you want to die? (laughs) Right. Okay. So we're thinking you survive. Um, okay, so yeah, this one for me. you just get teleported back to your house at the end of 30 days. All right, you wake up from this n- nightmare. It's space for me by a mile. Um, I And I, I love the ocean. Like, I'm one of those maniacs that I'll, I'll swim out really far. I don't think about getting eaten by a shark. Maybe one day this, this soundbite will be really funny to tweet out when I do, in <laughs> fact, get eaten by a shark. But Old, old takes exposed yeah, to eaten by it, a shark. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, but in all seriousness, I don't have that fear of the ocean, but the deep sea is a totally different animal. Like, I think, I think about this, you know, everybody thought like that whole trend of men think about the Roman Empire like eight times a week or whatever it is. And I, yeah. I didn't get it all because I don't. I think about the depths of the ocean multiple times a week. Like sometimes I'll sit on YouTube and and watch videos that are like animated illustrations of the depth of the sea. And they show you like different heights of things. Yeah. Because I think it's amazing because number one, what is it like 98% of it? We don't know anything about. They're like, they're legitimately could be dinosaurs at the bottom of the ocean, like sea dinosaurs at the bottom of the ocean. So it's you have to realize it's pitch black. You're underwater. There's just no chance in hell I'm picking being submerged in the ocean. It's space 10 out of 10. And I understand space is probably pretty dark, but not as dark as the bottom of the ocean. I, this isn't close to me. I also I, not that long ago. I read Project Hail Mary. Great space book. I won't spoil it for anyone, but it made me think of that book as well. I think what's I think on a spaceship, I have more accommodations and comfort we're in a submarine like i picture myself like holding my knees like against the wall like a spaceship you could walk around you probably have a laptop well i assume the accommodations for the the same are gonna be like yeah 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 like it's cool like it's like you can't you can't die so it's probably just like glass all around so you can see a bunch of stuff i don't it's still space there's no way i have zero desire to get in a submarine zero design. it would be pure pure torture i would go to space 
I would go that. to space. I it's, go just to space. The, it's just the the money aspect. I'd never get in a submarine like that. No, not gonna happen. No, not gonna happen. All right, Shout great question. Next one. Hey, Connor and Trevor, this is Alex from Dearborn, Michigan. I got two questions for you. Feel free to answer what you want. Uh, first one is, if you could take one player from each of your divisional rivals, who would you take and why? For me, I'm a Steelers fan from Pittsburgh originally, so I'm thinking Joe Burrow to replace Kenny Pickett, even though I love him. i got to admit he's better. Uh, I'm taking Miles Garrett from the Browns to put him with TJ Watt because two Defensive Player of the Year candidates on the same team. Gotta love that. And then probably just Marlon Humphrey from the Ravens. Don't really need Lamar Jackson if I have Burrow now. And then boosting that secondary. Um, and then my second question, uh, in homage to the Choose Two to Defend You from the No Notes episode, um, I'm looking for your squirrel threshold. So what is the maximum number of squirrels you think you could take in a fight uh, before you would get out of hand? So let me know what you think. Thank you. Uh, shout out to Alex for the question. Um, squirrel okay. killed. Okay, That's going in the right. YouTube title. Who was uh, the, squ- the squirrel threshold? Yeah. All right. Uh, player from your division, or Josh from Allen. each team in your division. Josh Allen. There's no. There's no. Okay, so, so you're only picking one. You're just going with one. Yeah. There's no runner up. Josh Allen on the Jets. Josh Allen on the Jets. The Jets are at least in the AFC title game. Yeah. At least. There's yeah. not. It's not even. If I pick any of the wide receivers in the division, it just becomes the the Penny Sewell Jamar Chase meme from that draft, <laughs> right? So no, no, it's Josh Allen. There's no no explanation needed. It's not even close. I think my answer is Brian Burns from the Panthers. Ooh, I think. Yeah, you have a real shit division to pick from. Oh, thanks. I didn't think of that. Yeah, appreciate it. I mean, as bad as like the Jets and the Patriots are right now, there are stars in the AFC East. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Ramchick. If, South. If I picked Ryan Ramchick, then I got to have Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Ramchick, which is nice. But Luke Gadecki's been fine. Not that he's Ryan Ramchick, but you know what I'm saying. I think I'd, I think it's Burns. I think you wouldn't take Jameis Winston. Oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to yeah, watch yeah, him in yeah, a Bucks yeah, uniform. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never done that before. Yeah, he's definitely never played for the Bucks. Let me. Yeah, let me do that. Let me bring him back for sure. No, I think it's Brian Burns. Yeah, gotta pick. Yeah, Burns is a stud. Total oh, squirrel, squirrel question. Squirrel threshold. I think it's low, right? No. Bro, oh, come on. Be real about it. What's These low? These squirrels are out here like rabid. Okay, so we're... They're trying to kill you. They're trying to kill you. So they're they're gnawing at us like they do on acorns. Right. Okay. And it's just me. That stinks. Bro, it's like if they let us bring our dogs, does your is your dog a squirrel chaser? I mean, he, yeah, he is, he is, but my, my dog's also like 25 pounds. So if like one squirrel, if like two squirrels get a hold of him, my guy's done. So. All right. So <laughs> he, just is all, he is all bark. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He ain't no hunting dog. What is, is the, is the over under set at eight and a half? Dude, I'm. You're lower. Yeah. You're really low. Bro. Like five. This is survival. Would you're, do, think about this. This isn't like you're just. Like gnawing them away. This is for your life. You're biting. Yeah, they're, yeah, you're, they're you're trying to pop heads off. So are they? They're just biting. They're not very useful animals. They, their arms are like this thin. No, they're trying to kill you. 
True. I think it's eight and a half, and I'll take the under. I'll say I'll. I would, yeah, six is like. Se- I was gonna say seven. Six is yeah, like where I'm at. It's gonna be really annoying when they like uh, start yeah, biting. Like, when like you four you biting your legs. The squirrels enough. I don't. I ra- I'd be much more scared of the rats, especially here in New York. <laughs> squirrels are. Yeah, it's, I'll say six to seven. You're right. Yeah, there we go. All right, all right. We came to the conclusion. squirrel threshold. All right, next was the squirrel threshold. What's up? This is Devin. My question is, what pick does the first running back come off the board? I know this is a weak class. We've got some injuries. Poor one out for Jonathan Brooks. But uh, we could not have one come off the board in the first 60 picks. I know your boy Mike Renner doesn't even have one in the top 75, but he might just have PFF brain and think running backs don't have value. So I want you guys to make your selection for in April when we see the first RB come off the board. All right, shout out Devin for the question. Man, this is one that a lot of people are asking, right? When does the first running back come off the board? So let's see. Uh, let me look at the big board here. I'm trying to remember what the highest ranked running back is for me. So Jonathan Brooks is the highest ranked running back for me right now. And he's 60th. Right after him. It's Blake Corum at 64. Trey Benson's at 66. And then I, it's a big drop for me. It goes down to Donovan Edwards at 87. Marshawn. You're really low on Travion. Oh, yeah, I, I, I have not rewatched Travion. So okay. he's like right around 100 for me. But then it's like Bucky Irving and Audrey Gastame, like they're right around the 100. Because you got to think about like what pick 100 is, right? Pick 100's, okay, third or fourth round pick. Right. That's kind of what, what I'm saying here with these running backs is you could have a handful of them go in like the third round, but I have not rewatched Travion yet, to be fair. So uh, he might be somebody who's a lot higher, but general answer to the question late second round i was just gonna say i was gonna set the over under for this at pick mm, 60 that's the cowboys in the second round yeah because who would pick there's just so many premium position players in this class right it's hard to think that you would take a running back over them i think jonathan brooks would have been basically the only one who would have been alluring enough to do it and now he's quorum quorum i like but i mean quorum didn't have nearly as good of a year individually as he did last year i think he's still gonna be a a big tester yeah i think he's still gonna be like a pro running back don't get me wrong sure the force missed tackles are a lot lower the yards after contact are a lot lower it's just it wasn't, it's not the year to kind of like puff out your chest and say, yeah, I'm a running back that could succeed no matter what the system, no matter what the offensive line. Yeah. I think there's a chance we might not get it to the third round. There is a chance. It's going to be really interesting this year. When's the, I'm actually looking this up now. The lowest that a back has been picked first. Last year was eight. The year before was 36. The year before was 24. Year before it was 32, then 24, two, Saquon, shout out. Leonard Fournette, number four, shout out. Ezekiel Elliott at four. God, it's crazy, isn't it? So Zeke went four, and then Derrick Henry didn't go to 45. Gurley at 10. Here we go. 2014, Bishop Sankey was the first running back off the board, pick number 54. And then it was Jeremy Hill immediately after at 55. And then it was Carlos Hyde 
almost immediately after at 57. That's Sankey. Shout out Washington. Great. Yeah. Great. That feels like what we're dealing with here. I think we're, we're definitely close to it. Yeah, I agree. That would be my answer to that question. Uh, This is the last one from the speak pipes. What's up, fellas? I've got a question about wide receiver positional value this year. For what feels like the billionth year in a row, we have a super stacked wide receiver draft class coming up. And while we've got top guys like Marvin Harrison, Malik Neighbors that people think are going to be instant difference makers, to me, I feel like when the class has so many potential quality players, teams would be better off waiting until day two or even day three to address that need. We've seen guys like Pukunakua and Tank Dell take off this year being third and fifth round picks. So do you think teams that have kind of that late first round pick and have a need at wide receiver would be better off waiting until later in the draft to address that need and maybe focus on a thinner position group in the first round? Or do you think some of the fifth or sixth best wide receivers like Xavier Leggett or Xavier Worthy, any guy that falls in that group is worth it in the first round? All right, what do we think, Connor? Wide receiver value discussion here. With it, it, with the group as deep and as talented as it is, does that deter you? Would that deter you personally from taking a wide receiver in the first round? And then another side of the question is, do you think the NFL will be more hesitant to take a receiver in the first round given how deep the class is? I think for the top, at least two guys, no. Like with Marv and Neighbors... They're so gifted. I mean, you're looking at that Chase and Waddle kind of draft in my eyes. But okay. and then there'll be varying opinions on Rome, who I think well, is, is really good. But Devon Devontae went right after that too, right? Sure. Yeah. I think he was he top ten? Was he nine? He was nine? Was he right after that? I thought he was after that. He was ten. He was ten. Okay, there we go. All right. Now I will push back, and I, I know he was just saying it like, you know, quickly. Because somebody tweeted this at me. They're like, every year there's a good wide receiver class. And I, I don't think that's – this is a di- there's a difference. Last year, number one, yes, guys went in the first round. But last year was a down draft in general. And the first wide receiver wasn't taken until 20th. Yes, 2022 was stacked. 2021 was stacked. 2020 – Jefferson and CD turned into studs, but there was also three big misses in the first round. And then 19 wasn't good. It ended up having really good players, but like the way it was evaluated, nobody went until pick 25 with Hollywood Brown. So I think I don't want to like do the thing, fall victim of the, you could always get a good wide receiver. You can't always get Marvin Harrison Jr. You can't always get Malik neighbors, but I think it's a really good question. And I think this is more what the question was pointing towards. Say you're picking 16 and you can get Keon Coleman, right? Or I don't know, another like later in the draft, the Mecca Buka. And you're like, man, maybe I'll just wait. And I like the other guys better. Maybe I like a Johnny Wilson. Uh, let me pull up my rankings real quick. You know, maybe I look at somebody like Troy Franklin if he slides ad mitchell if he slides a little bit mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying trevor like it's i think it, it depends on your team and your scheme 
Look what the Rams just did with Puka Nakua. Right. The Rams didn't need a freak show at wide receiver. They needed a technician. And Puka's been better than anybody could have seen coming. But I definitely think it's team-specific, but I also think it's play-specific. I have no problem using a top-five pick on Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malik Neighbors because I yeah. think those guys are just going to change the field the second they step on the turf. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I don't really have any reservations about using a first round pick on a playmaker. I really don't. When Not in this talk, era. When we, yeah, when we talk about premium positions, for the longest time, I feel as though premium positions were just quarterback, pass protectors, pass rushers. Like those were the three premium positions. In today's league, you are throwing corner, like top tier corner and top tier wide receiver in there. You, you really are. I, I think that that's, that's something that, that, we have seen the league draft over the last couple of years. Like I'm looking at it right now and it's like, all right, this group's really deep. There's nothing over the last four drafts that tell us that the NFL is slowing down. We had four guys in the first round last year. We had six the year before that. We had five the year before that. We had six the year before that. That's just first round wide receivers. The league's not slowing down. The league's not cooling down. And it's especially not going to cool down for this wide receiver class. So I actually don't think that they would, um, take that strategy and say ah yeah we can get one later you start to love one of them throughout this process you start to love one of these guys like you said or a handful of these guys and i just don't think um i don't think you're gonna you're gonna see any sort of slowdown so all right we got one more question and it's a doozy it's a good one if you stuck around to the end of the podcast uh this is a fun one i think it's probably going to be in the title to make sure that you guys stay to the end of podcast see how it works here we're businessmen but before we get to that we got to talk to you about our friends over at Prize Pick. So our producer Eli, one of our producers Eli, has been in the lab cooking up an entry here that 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 we have we, Connor. We have an explanation for why that this is going to hit. Okay, this is it. So it's it's multiple entries that you guys can bet on. T.J. Hawkinson more than fifty-two and a half receiving yards this week. Nico Collins more than fifty-seven and a half receiving yards this week, and then Adam Thielen more than fifty-five and a half yards this week. If all three of them hit, oh, buddy, you're cashing out. This is what Eli said: Nico Collins cleared this number the last three games, and I expect him to see more targets with Tank Dell done, Tank Dell done for the year. Hawkinson's gone over this line in five of his six games. Then you can put up the yards against the Raiders' defense that ranks nineteenth in coverage grade this year. Thielen not gone over this line recently, but. He is Young's favorite target, and I think they'll get more involved versus the Saints defense who just got wrecked by the Lions. Boom! There you go. Folks, if you don't know what prize picks is, basically you take two to six entries, you bring them all together, and all, all however many of them hit, you're cashing out. You went up to 25 times your money. Plus, if you are a fan of multiple sports, with basketball season here, you can combo pick projections across football and basketball. Say LeBron James, Travis Kelsey, over 10 and a half receptions plus three pointers made. I mean, if you're really in on this and you think you're sharp about the couple of different sports, it's a fun way to get in on it. Price picks the only place that does that. They also, the only place that has a reboot policy. So your entries can stay in play. Even if one of your players gets hurt for the rebooted basketball and football games, if your player exits the first half, doesn't return for the second, that player is automatically rebooted. Price picks is the only daily fantasy sport platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to pricepicks.com backslash NFLSC. Use the promo code NFLSC for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com backslash NFLSC. Promo code NFLSC for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, Connor. Last question for the mailbag episode. This is from Daniel Oliver on the YouTube comments. Hey, guys. Mailbag question for you. 
Daniel from Canada. Wow, love shout out across the border. Absolutely love the show. My question is, what do you think the Bears could get if they decided to trade the number one overall pick? Fun hypothetical. Very fun hypothetical. Stressful hypothetical. It is. I think about this a lot because I don't. I don't know if you realize this, but in our YouTube comments, a lot of people thinking. No, no, no. You're sticking with Justin Fields. I I know. I see this all the time. You're sticking with Justin Fields. You're absolutely trading the pick. You're getting a King's Ransom. So what is that King's Ransom, Connor? What do you think? One, I, I still don't believe they're doing that, but I, I see mean, a lot of people holding on. Um, So let's say that they are right and we are wrong. What is the King's Ransom? ransom? Well, number one, the value of the number one pick is always based on if the value of the player an undisputed player at the top of the draft and this draft has two top tier quarterback prospects and caleb williams and drake may mm-hmm. so this pick has a ton of value based on that alone is that it has quarterbacks yep so and you don't want too big of a supply right trevor if there was five quarterbacks that were graded closely that would hurt you that would hurt you yeah but in this one there's two top quarterbacks that are graded closely so number one number two pick of an immense amount of value and Unlike us, teams might prefer one over the other. So the I was going to say, I think it helps that not only do you have two, they're very different, right? I mean, yes. there's very different types of quarterbacks, different types of players. There's going to be some teams that are in on one of them and not on the other. So I think that it's almost the perfect scenario yep. to cook up maximum value for this number one overall pick if Chicago ends up trading it. That's exactly right. So when you factor in all that, man, the question is, you need to also know where are we going, right? You can't just say like, the pick is worth three ones, two twos, right. and a right. player. Where are you going? So let's say... So last year, Panthers moved up nine. nine to one. They traded two first-round picks, a second-round pick, and DJ Moore to do it. So that's one example in 2016, for the Jared Goff trade, the Rams jumped from 15 to 1 and gave up a first-round pick and a second-round pick in the draft that year. Oh, shoot, another second-round pick in the draft that year, a third-round pick in the draft that year, and then a and the next year's first-round pick and third-round pick. So it's just a ton of different picks to get from 15 all the way to 1. The tricky part is... You also have like the Trey Lance trade where San Francisco jumps up a bunch, but then it's just three straight first round picks to get from 12 to three. Like you're not even getting a one and you knew that two quarterbacks were going to come off the board. Right. So that one also kind of skews things. I have to believe that given how we preface this conversation with the two quarterbacks and the two different quarterbacks at that, I think the starting point is three ones. I do. I think it's three first round picks. And maybe if you're Washington picking at four, you know, maybe you say like, okay, we're giving you number four. So we'll give you number four in a first round pick next year, but then let's figure out, okay, either you get another second round pick this year, you get a second and a third next year. We're not giving you a third one. So maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room there, but God, the team at number one holds all that power because Washington just go, all right, we're not going to pay it. And Chicago goes, okay, somebody else will, because there probably is going to be somebody else who's going to pay that price. So to me, I just feel like the conversation is going to start at three ones. 
I think so. I think this this pick would just be because once again, if you think the quarterback you like between Caleb and Drake is going to be a star, and you're right, it doesn't matter. Right? It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter at all. Which is probably Carolina's thought with Bryce. Right? They so they're open. As they're hoping, it's the same thought process, and things always look differently in hindsight. But that's why the price ultimately doesn't matter. Now, I think the interesting conversation is: Does that make sense for Chicago? Because people will be like, "Well, they could build this incredible team around Justin Fields." But I think at the end of the day, you have to take your quarterback if you're Ryan Poles, and right because if it if it if it didn't work with Fields after all that, you're fired. Well, it's just uh, kind of like what we talked about in the, the mock draft episode. It gets tricky because Fields goes into his contract situation next year. And and they still not, don't know. They still don't know. Right. And they've got the they picked up the fifth year on him. Right. I would assume that they would pick the fifth year because it would value it would increase his trade value. Right. That decision has that hasn't needed to be made yet. OK. OK. It's, so it's it after has, this year. So, I mean, you're going to pick it up no matter what. And essentially, you would then have two years to figure it out. But man, if he looks bad next year, you're not going to use that second year. So essentially, you're basically saying, is Justin Fields going to take the leap into being a playoff caliber quarterback week in and week out? Not just like flashes, not just we've seen some of it. Like, is he is he giving Detroit a run for their money for the division as a quarterback next year? Because if he's not, it's it's hard to argue against resetting that quarterback contract especially exactly. when you pick at five you know you 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 also pick at five in this draft that's so. the craziest thing is like that's why once again it is, still doesn't make sense to trade number one you also have the fifth pick so you're already getting another great asset in this upgrade a quarterback i don't know if it doesn't make sense i can't get on board with that people but sell this plan yet. all the time I'm and i don't know we're not there yet. Let us know if uh, if if you're there. It's worth a lot and, though, and, and let us know obviously uh, what you think of all of the answers that we gave here. Big shout out to everybody who got in on the show, and a huge awesome. shout out also to everybody who sent in some speak pipe voicemails that did not quite get in on the show. We're going to be doing this as a, a lot. I want to because it's fun. It's fun to hear you guys. It's fun to hear the voicemails. Obviously, read the YouTube comments, and and we say all the time this podcast is not just us talking to you guys it's a full draft community that's when it's the most fun we can have these conversations so let us know what you thought of the episode the shows the answers all the good stuff best way to do that youtube comments of this show youtube.com backslash nfl stock exchange uh you can hit us up on twitter and instagram although connor only checks it like once a month so you might be on request i'll get i'll be better uh, after the new year new year's resolution i'm off for december at connor j rogers yeah it's holiday baby we're on holiday at connor j rogers at tam bay trey that's the best way to do that uh connor you got anything else before we get out of here no fun show love the voicemails love the youtube comments you guys are the best really appreciate it really creative topics as well i mean trevor and i were joking before the air is yes it's called a mailbag but really it's just you building the rundown of our show if we didn't do it this way we would do different topics, but it's cool when you actually make the topics of the show. Plenty were draft centric, plenty were fun, crazy, NFL centric, college centric. It's really your way to get in on the show. And that's always the goal of the show, right, Trevor? Yeah, we have mentioned that uh, we're getting into a lot of 
regular season film rechecks this week we're doing wide receiver because we want the first episode to be wide receiver because we know that that's what a lot of people like to talk about i'm not sure if that's going to be monday or wednesday of next week but we want to bring that to you guys soon so be on the lookout for that and then uh yeah maybe we'll keep the other episode whether it's monday or wednesday up for a wild card maybe you guys can pick the rundown for us again we'll see i'm trevor sikama that is connor rogers thank you guys so much for watching and listening to the nfl stock exchange podcast we'll see you next week